Well, good morning. Welcome to Eastlake. Before we get going, I did make a bet last weekend for the Super Bowl. I had some questions about that uh, with uh, in the front row right here, my friend Matt. <clears throat> he lost, so now he has to sit in the front row for the next three months. And he is, oh, two months, sorry. He's a big Patriots fan. And uh, so we put the biggest, tallest man we know in the very front row just to block everybody in this section. So sorry about that. But hey, we're glad that you're here. My name is Brennan, teacher pastor here at East Lake, And uh, we're starting a brand new series today called It's Complicated. So if you are a guest with us, you couldn't have picked a better day to come check us out. It's going to be a series on relationships, which I know like for some people in the room are like, ooh, yes, finally, a series on relationships. Or that's the reason you got the mailer and you're like, oh, relationships. This is like free counseling, babe. We got to go. This is, this is way better than paying for counseling. Let's do this. Uh, and then for the other half, the, the rest of us were like, oh, I was just starting to like this place. And then you got to go and do something like this and do a series and talk about relationships because there are a section of us, a group of us, a, a cadre of us, if you will, who treat relationships talks uh, the same way that we kind of treat cars. Um, have you ever dropped your car, your keys off at, at a mechanic to get an oil change? And before, while he is handing you the keys back, he's trying to tell you what all the stuff that he did on the car while it was in his care. And he, he's got to hold on one of the keys and you got to hold on the other. And you're just trying to like tug it. And he's like, I changed the belts on this thing. And then I saw that the, uh, the this whole thing needed a little lube. And so I got that going. And then I, I took the filter off. And then I, and like, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. Just I paid you money. You do the work and then let me have it. I don't care how it works. I just want it to work. That's kind of our mentality when it comes to our car a lot of times, right? I don't care. I don't want to work on it either. I really don't want to work on it. Um, I just want a car that works. That's why I buy a new car. That's why I'm in a lease. I don't want to work on it. That's why I bought my house. I don't want to work on my... I rent, I rent instead of I buy it because I don't want to work on it. I just want it to work for me. Uh, in the same way, we can kind of take that approach into relationships. Anytime somebody goes... Can we talk about us? Can we talk about what this is? You're like, ooh, oh, oh, oh. I don't want to work on it. I just want it to work. I just need it to work in this way. Um, and anytime that there's something going on that like, needs a tweak, it needs attention, it needs a little bit of love, we're like, mm, I, I don't know. Because have you ever been in that spot where you're, you're riding along in the car and uh, my wife's with me or whatever, and then something starts rattling, you know, just does this little thing, and you're like, do you hear that? And she's like, no, no, she's reading a book and doing something different or watching the kids or something like that. I'm like, do you hear that? That's driving me crazy. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, doing, I'm driving and I'm touching all of the things. That, what, is, what is this that's rattling? What's going on here? And she's like, I don't hear it. I'm like, shh, shh, come on. Is that not driving you crazy? That's driving me crazy. And she's like, I, I just turn the radio up. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, this is, you drive. I'm going to get in the back seat and I'm just going to touch everything around here until I figure out what it is that seems to be broken or the wind's shifting this thing or something that's rattling in this way. Uh, and in the same way, it's like, it, it's, it's, we feel like as long as it's not broken down the side of the road, do we really need to check into it? If, if it's working, why do we need to stop and, and deal with it? Why do I need to hear about this mechanic telling me, well, if you don't deal with this now, it's going to deal with this later. You know, it's going to come up. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with it. Is it working? And can I drive? Can I get to work? I'm fine with this. Like there's a sense in which as long as it's not broken down, why wouldn't the world would I deal with it? And the same can be true of relationships. We can take that approach into a relationship talk and, and we can say, hey, as long as this thing isn't broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to talk about it? Uh, and the answer, of course, is yes, even though we don't want to hear that. Every once in a while it is good. And so that's what we're going to do for the next uh, four weeks, this week included, uh, and for the three weeks following, which, uh, by the way, if you're a guest with us, you are zero obligation 
to join us for the rest of the series. Um, you're here, so you're kind of obligated to today because leaving now would be awkward. But uh, for the rest of the series, you do not have to participate. However, if you are interested in listening to this talk again, because I talk too fast, or you can't make it to the rest of the series, but you're interested in where it goes from here, there's a website you can go to, eastlaketricities.com slash talks. And if you go to slash talks, everything that we talk about, all these post, uh, messages are posted there, usually by Tuesday or Wednesday. But we're going to talk about relationships uh, for about four weeks. And as difficult as it's going to be for me, because the reality is I had to approach my wife this week as I was doing the sermon prep on Thursday, as I kind of went home from, from work, I, 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 she asked me how did the day go? And I'm like, good. She's like, how's your message going? I said, no, it's good. Now here's the deal. I'm going to talk about things on Sunday that I know I'm not good at. Okay. And here's what I need from you. You attend uh, church. You, she had, she's actually probably in this service. I can't see you because of the lights, but she's probably in here. And I said, when you are sitting there and you're hearing me talk about how all of these things help in, in healthy relationships, here's what I can't have you do. I can't have you audibly say, who is this guy, right? Or check your sources, okay? Now, internally, you can be saying all of those things and feeling all of those emotions. But for the sake of this service, I need you to just kind of like, just smile and nod and be like, mm-hmm. I mean, well, whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, very, take a very, you don't have to agree. I'm not forcing you to say he's the best husband ever. I'm just saying audibly, I need to keep it down uh, just for the sake of, of that. And I do want to mention uh, this too. Uh, Um, Even though this is a series on relationships, and you may or may not find yourself currently in a relationship, I really tried to approach this as kind of an all-skate, where it doesn't matter if you're single uh, and you want to date someday, or I'm I'm single and I'm fine with being single for however long that needs to be, or or I just enjoy that, or I'm engaged, or I'm married, or I'm in a long-term relationship, but it's not marriage because I don't believe in a piece of paper and I don't believe in that. Listen... I tried to approach this as a very uh, blanket way of doing just relationships in general. I think so. some of these principles can be applied towards friendships and towards work-related stuff. I'm taking the approach of uh, uh, romantic relationships for, for this series, but you could c- kind of go a lot of different ways on this. And I also want to mention that it is a four-part series, and w- that's how we teach here. So um, it's kind of like an argument that's kind of builds upon itself. And so I don't uh, I try not to like uh, build everything into one to one thing. So you might leave here today with more questions than answers, and that's intentional. I'm trying to create a tension to give you a reason to come back, and because I think the developments or, or arguments take longer than 30 minutes to develop, and we're going to approach it from a bunch of different angles. Uh, and um, I think that if you are a uh, I think that this is uh, this stuff that we're going to talk about today is applicable, whether or not church is a thing for you and God or religion is a thing for you or not. Now, there are going to be a few verses at the end that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to present in such a way that gives us a reason or a motivation for why I think this is important. If you're not a Christian, those are like optional for you. But for, for most of the material, I feel like is kind of relevant no matter what kind of a life stage you're coming from and or uh, what kind of a religious background you have. So all that to say... We're going to talk about how complicated relationships work, and hopefully there's some interesting uh, viewpoints on it that can be fruitful for your life or discussion beyond this. Here's the premise, or here's a thought to kind of kick us off and get us going today. When it comes to relationships, all of us have an invisible box of hopes, dreams, and desires. I created a couple of boxes over here uh, that kind of represent hopes and dreams and desires uh, for us. Uh, We all um, have these things. We start off with these in life. These are things that are important to us. These are things that along the way we have kind of gained or um, added these based on the things that we've seen in life, things that we've heard, or 
things that we've experienced. So whether or not we've, um, we've watched movies where there's, there's a relationship that works, that we're like, that's the kind of relationship that I want, right? That's the way that they kind of interacted with each other, the way that, they, that he supported her, or she supported him, or that kind of thing. Like, I like that. Or maybe it's somebody that we knew. Maybe it was a grandparent or an aunt and uncle or a friend that when you look at their marriage, you're like, see, I want that. That's what I want in my life. Or on the flip side, it could have been a negative thing. You grew up in a household where your parents' relationship was like in name only. And you're like, why are you still together? And maybe after you left the house and all the kids left the house, maybe they weren't together after that. And that was an indicator for you where you're like, okay, I'm trying to avoid that. So at some point, you are either trying to avoid or recreate images of what healthy relationships have looked like for you based on what you've seen, based on what you've heard, and based on what you've experienced. We call that our body of hopes, dreams, and desires. This is what I think it's going to take to make a marriage relationship or a long-term relationship work, specifically in, in some uh, like specific areas. So uh, in the area of finances, we feel like healthy marriages or healthy relationships, listen, we're going to approach finances in, 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 a, in a healthy way, right? We're both going to work. We're going to have a dual income house because money's important to us. Or we would say, you know what? Money's not important to us. I don't care if we have pennies. We don't need money. We got love, y'all. And all you need is love sometimes. And so I don't need money, babe. I just, I just want you to take, take, a, take a job that does not require you to be away from family all that much. I don't want you to travel a bunch because I just don't care about money. We can make it work on less, right? Or um, uh, he's going to work. I'm going to stay at home with the kids because that's kind of a value for us that we've kind of prioritized that we don't need a dual income during this season or whatever. Or um, I'm going to stay at home or I'm going to go to work and he's going to stay at home uh, and he's going to work on his music career or something in important like that, or, or we're going to have a, a family budget. Um, we're going to operate with family budget. We're going to have like this spreadsheet and it's going to have, we're going to sit down. We're going to, but and then some, or some of us go, you know what budget, we're not going to do that. That feels like an allowance and I'm not 14 and I don't, I don't want that. We'll buy things as they come. And, and hopefully at the end of the month, there's more left in the account than it was when we started. So we've got, we, we got uh, dreams, hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to the way that we do finances. We've got it when it comes to free time. Um, so how do we handle free time? We have hopes, dreams, and desires about how he or she is going to handle this free time. Like I, I have this, this thing where I know he's like way into like the whole guy time, but listen, when we get married, that's going to, he's going to realize he doesn't want to play poker with the boys. He wants to hang out with me. Why would he, why would he want to sit down at a table, drink beer, smoke a cigar and lose money when he could be watching Netflix with me? And so we have these hopes, dreams, and desires, uh, when it comes to how we handle time, uh, when we handle our, our calendar, like long-term, like holidays specifically, this is one of the ones I always talk to, um, when I do premarital counseling with a couple, I say, have you guys talked about what the holidays are going to look like for you? Cause now you're in, in you know, intermingling two different families and, and when, especially when you start getting kids involved. Where are we going to do this? And, and so we, we, we got lucky because my wife was, was way into this. She, she was like, hey, we'll just make it really easy. Listen, Christmas morning has always been a huge priority for my family. So we'll do Christmas with my family. And I said, well, that makes sense because my family's like totally not into it. We like go to IHOP or whatever is available. You know what I mean? Like we just don't care. I'm just kidding. That's not how it works. So th th that's a huge conflict for a lot of people when it comes to like, where are we going to do the holidays? Where are we going to do this? How are we going to handle the calendar? Uh, you have hopes, dreams, and desires about what we're going to drive because uh, you drive a sports car and you're like, I think I can keep the sports car thing through all of the different stuff. Like it's no problem. I'll just drive this for as long as I need to. And if I need to upgrade, we'll get a new one and it, it's going to be nice. Uh, and then and we find ourselves going hopes, dreams, desires. I'm not going to drive a minivan. And then that transitions to, well, I'm not going to drive the minivan to work. 
And then, and that transitions to, you know what, we should really think about upgrading the minivan because they got these slider doors now that you don't even have to, you just push a button and it's gonna come so easy. So we have hopes, dreams, and desires about kids, this, uh, about having kids, about um, uh, if, we, if we are, if we aren't, how many are we gonna have? We're we gonna have one, two, three. Are we gonna, are we gonna have, what are we gonna, uh, how many are we gonna have until we have a boy or a girl or something like that? And so now we get six and you're like, there's still no girl, there's still no boy, and good grief, it's a coin flip, you would think at this point. Um, so, anyways, uh, we have hopes, dreams, and desires about where we're gonna live. Um, are we gonna buy? Are we gonna rent? Um, is it going to be really big? Is it going to be really small? Is it going to be functional? Or is it going to be something that like I can decorate and invite my friends to and then they'll all be jealous of me, that kind of thing? Um, we have hopes, dreams, and desires. Every guy has hopes, dreams, and desires about what his wife is going to wear to bed when, when they get married, right? And I asked permission if I could bring these. She, she actually picked these out. And this isn't exactly what we had in mind when we, when we thought, well, you know... <laughs> thought there'd be a lot less fabric, but okay. And she's like, I just, he knows that he just wants me to be comfortable. That's all he wants. And so this is great. We got home streams and desires and that, uh, uh, resolving conflict, um, how we fight, right? We have hopes, dreams, and desires like we've always seen. Well, you know, I grew up in a household where everybody talked it out that very minute. Nobody leaves this room until we talk things through. And then you go, well, my family, we respected the cooling off period. There's a mutual respect of, I leave, and I'll be back when I'm re- good and ready, and then we'll not talk about it, and th- that's going to be how that works. So, anyways, we have all of these hopes, dreams, and desires that we have built up along the way that have come as a result of things that we've seen, things that we've heard, or things that we've experienced, or observations of, of relationships that, in our opinion, have worked. And so we are either trying to avoid them or trying to recreate them. And so we take all of these hopes, dreams, and desires, and when we take them in, into a relationship, and as we do it in such a way to recreate or avoid, here's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like hopes, dreams, and expectations to our partner. It feels a lot like expectations, These are things that I expect from you. I have these hopes and dreams and desires. I need you to make them come true for me. So here you go. Take them and do whatever it is that you need to do to make these a reality for me. I want this to be true instead of our relationship. I need this to be true for me. And it feels like a weight. It doesn't feel, again, it doesn't feel like dreams, hopes, and desires. It feels like a burden almost, Expectations. Let me define it for you. The strong belief that something will happen to uh, happen or be the case in the future. This is, I know he doesn't feel this way right now, but he will. He'll come around to seeing things my way. It'll happen. He'll give that up. He'll, he'll move past that. She'll move past that. That, will, that won't be a priority for that long. I have these expectations. He hasn't given it up yet, but he soon will, or sooner than later, and you know, won't you do all that kind of stuff. Attempting to recreate or avoid something from the past transforms these into expectations. And the problem with expectations is that um, you think that they're one thing. They think that they're another. You think that they're legit. You've already done this, this math in your head. You think that these are important, that if this is going to be successful, this is what it's going to take. And, and he or she is qualified enough. That's why I picked you. That's why I married you. That's why I said yes. That's why I said I do. To be able to follow through on all of these things. And as good as they are, and as smart as they are, and as beautiful as she is, and as, as, as socially great as they are together, we are together or whatever, listen, even the best fall down sometimes. Even the wrong words seem to rhyme. And out of the dust and the doubt that fills my mind, I somehow find that you and I collide. 
that we, you see what I did there? We collide. I come at this thing with my hopes, dreams, and desires, and you do the same thing. And we each hand each other the basket of things and say, make this come true for us. And sometimes they match up and sometimes they don't. And what happens when you and I collide? And it's not really about you and I, it's about eyes, two different eyes. I bring this and I bring this and eyes collide. And when eyes collide, a couple of options take place. One, we walk away. We walk away, we say, oh, 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 this is not what I signed up for. This feels like a weight that I cannot bear. This feels like expectations that are outside of my abilities. This feels not worth fighting for. And so we can say, you should have been more clear about what you wanted prior to this. We should have talked about this. We should have done counseling. We should have done more counseling. We should have done something different because I can't deal with the pressure. And so I need to walk away from this relationship. Or we choose to, to win. We win. When eyes collide, somebody attempts to win. And when somebody attempts to win, they attempt to do one of the four C's of, of the prescription for bad relationships. I don't have this on the screen, but the prescription for bad, if you want a really bad relationship, here's what you should do. You should convince, convict, control, or coerce somebody. You should win. You should always attempt to win. You ever had a friend who, no matter what the argument, they fight, fight, fight until they win? They're completely wrong. You watch a game, he picks the Pacers, you pick the, you know, the, 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 the Hawks or somebody like that, and even when the other team wins, they have a reason for it. They can justify it. They can talk through it. They can, they can be like, well, I mean, if you would have seen and you're just, it. Eventually what happens is um, they are, are so obsessed with winning and being right about how my box is the right box and your box is wrong. I mean, it's fine. I, I see that you're, you're free to believe what you want to believe, but clearly from an objective standpoint, my box is clearly better. My hopes, dreams, and desires, it makes way more sense to buy than to rent, babe. Don't worry about it. It makes way more sense for me to drive this and to drive that. I mean, let's talk through this. And eventually somebody, one person, the person on the receiving end of not winning usually gets so dang tired. They just are like, I'm I just fine. Whatever. I like, I give up. You win. You win. So we can either walk away, we can force ourselves to win. Uh, option number three is we can conform, which basically means uh, I'll become whatever you need me to be because I value the relationship. I will give up my hopes, dreams, and desires. Your, yours means more uh, than mine, and so therefore I will act as if mine are non-existent or deny them or um, downplay them or just, you know, it's fine. It's, it's cool. I, I will submit. I will submit. I will submit, right? We can conform to them. We become something we're not to compensate for somebody who won't love us. Or lastly, and probably the path most traveled from the experiences that I have kind of observed, right? Because people who um, walk away um, from it, they are no longer interested in it and they're on to the next thing and they're thinking everything, again, comes at that pie chart of blame that we've been working with the last couple of weeks. It's, all, it's always their fault. So I'll just find something different. I'll just, the next time will be better than the last time. It's... it's but the last one is one that I think is the most common response, and it's the idea of we compromise. I don't force myself to, it's not about a we win thing. It's not about we walk away. Um, listen, we're, we're more committed to our marriage than that. In fact, that's a phrase that we use a lot. I'm committed to this marriage. You're committed. We are committed to this marriage. Divorce or walking away or quitting or whatever, that's not an option. We will do whatever it takes. Now, I am going to give some, and you're going to give some. We both have our boxes. We both have our eyes. And when two eyes collide, we compromise. 
And I do some things your way and we do some things my way. And as a result of compromise, it begins to feel a lot like scorekeeping. And in your relationship, you don't have a like physical, tangible scoreboard, but you kind of do, don't you? That's the thing that comes up when there's disagreements about what we're going to do. And you begin to say, uh, 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 well, I mean, I don't mean to play scorekeeper here, but if we actually look at the calendar, I can prove to you factually that you have gotten to do whatever it is that you wanted to do three times since the last time that I got to do something that I wanted to do without kids. So therefore, listen, hey, 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 in, in fairness and equality without playing the card to fairness and equality, um, we, we need to work on this. And it becomes all about scorekeeping and it feels a little bit contractual, doesn't it? When you engage in compromise in a relationship with your hopes, dreams, and desires for the sake of the marriage, and we do it because it's almost like we prioritize, like it's just like um, uh, we talk it up, like, man, I'm so committed to this. And, and, and it sounds good. It sounds like, well, I mean, they really do have an under, it's not swayed by emotions. It feels like they're very committed to their marriage. And yet sometimes, I don't know, you walk away and you go, I, I, want, I don't want you to do this whole thing just because you're afraid of divorce or fearful of being alone, I want you to, I want you to do this because like you're committed to, to me and I'm committed to you. I don't want to operate out of a fear of the unknown of what it would like to be single again or, or, or whatever. Um, so that whole idea of commitment to a marriage, I, I suppose it's better than the idea of walking away, right? Socially for the kids, for the family, all of that stuff. I get it. It is. It's better than that, but it's not the best. It's not the best that it could be. Commitment to a marriage, it can work, but it's not all that fun. It, it works, it's functional, it's just not fun, and it's definitely not fulfilling. Don't just stick it out because socially acceptable thing to do. My parents would be really disappointed if this thing fell through, or I don't believe in divorce. It's good, but it's not great. Let me frame it another way because I think this is an important piece. And this is, again, the fourth one is the one we focus on because it is the most common way. When we choose the path of compromise, we get into the expectations begin to make it feel like a debt and debtor relationship. Um, I will do this. And then in the back of our minds, we both know that next time you kind of owe it to me to be able to do this. And when you don't, I may let it slide this one time, but I'm keeping track, I'm keeping score. And just so you know, eventually I'm gonna play the, hey, I think it would be only fair if I operate in this way. Expectations create a debt and debtor relationship. And we approach the relationship and we say, at some point, you owe me all of these things, right? Um, you owe me uh, this life, this this sort of financial independence that we talked about valuing together. You kind of owe it to me that we do fam the Christmas with my family this year. You kind of owe it to me. Um, and when they do these things and when they live up to these things and when they follow through, we're not like, thank you. What we say is that's kind of what you were supposed to do. What, you want me to thank you for that? Oh, I, this is what you owed me. Have you ever been to a, uh, a restaurant that's kind of like, above fast food, but it's not quite like sit down. 
And they, it's still like I order at the counter and they offer me this receipt and I, they just need your, I just need your signature at the bottom and you see a tip line and you're in that spot where you're like, should I tip? Because they're not really doing anything more than the person at McDonald's. It's definitely not a, I'm sitting down at a table and you're serving me and adapting with this. I'm not sure what I do in that spot. And, and so you're like, um, yeah, $1? I mean, I don't know. How do I, how do I, uh, why am I struggling with this? You're struggling with this because the expectations are you're kind of supposed to do this. You posted a, a dollar amount on the menu and I exchanged that dollar amount for that item and then you just give it to me. Why would I do anything more? This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is the context of what, this. In a compromise-based relationship, when somebody does something, it just feels like, of course, you kind of owe this to me. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's 5.30. I'm kind of hungry. Is, is dinner, is it coming soon? Or what's the, um, I worked all day. So is there, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, this is, this, is, this is touchy grounds here, right? This is tough. This is be, beginning to be a little bit difficult. My question uh, about that or all of that is how much gratitude do you express to people who pay you what they owe you? How much gratitude, think about it in your life, how much gratitude do you express to people who pay you what they owe you? Somebody owes you 20 bucks, you lent it to them the other day, they give it back to you at work the next day. You don't say, thank you so much, oh my gosh, this is amazing, thank you, thank you, I really do appreciate you filling your debts uh, with this. You're like, thanks dude, and you put it in your pocket, and you're like, I feel good about the fact that I loaned it to him, and he gave it back to me, and it's a very transactional relationship, as it should be for somebody who borrows money from you at, at, at the workplace, okay? A buddy. But when you bring that into your marriage, I worked hard, you make dinner, I worked hard, you do laundry, I, I have all of this, that is contractual, and you don't feel gratitude. This is why you don't feel gratitude um, towards this person, because you've just come to expect those types of things. Gratitude is essentially defined by this. I didn't expect that from you, but I'm thankful for it. I didn't expect it. I'm thankful for it. Thank you for making my lunch today that I'm taking to work. I make your lunch every day. I know. And I'm thankful for it. Why are you thankful for it? I make this for you every day. I know, but I don't expect it. And I'm grateful for it. Thank you for doing my laundry. Your laundry, I do your laundry every week. I've done your laundry for 10 years. I know. Thank you, I'm so thankful. I, I, for a while, for nine years, I thought we hired dwarves to be able to come in, in the middle of the night and do all of our laundry for us. And I realized, no, it's you. And you're doing this and it's work. And you, you got other things going on in your life and you're busy and it's not that you just do your laundry and like, here's your pile of stuff. If you want to get to it, great. If you don't, just work out of the closet. I don't care, right? You don't do that. Thank you. But I've been doing this forever. I know, I know. And I'm grateful for it. You see, when you don't do that, when you, when you go, well, that's just kind of how this relationship works. She kind of owes that for me. He kind of owes that, owns that, owes that to me or whatever. Listen, a debt debtor relationship eliminates the possibility of unconditional love. Why? Because OU eliminates love you. When it becomes about owing each other stuff, there's not an opportunity to love because anytime that somebody does the thing that you're, they're supposed to do, it just feels like they're getting back to even. 
And so there's no real way for them to show you that they love you. It's always just about getting back to even, which is why expectations feel like a weight and a burden that I cannot bear, that some people go, this is too much for me, I'm out. Or I'm just going to choose to conform and I just live with it. Or I'm going to do this and we're going to play this little game that's back and forth and back and forth. And it's, it's functional, but it's not really fun. And it's definitely not fulfilling. That's the struggle with this. So what do we do with this then? What do we do with our hopes, dreams, and desires? What do we do with the things that we thought we always wanted as a part of our uh, life and a part of our marriage relationship? Do we just like pretend that we never wanted kids? I was just kidding. I don't really want kids. Do we deny that they existed? Do we, do we say, you know, when it comes to, to money, I, I'm, not, I, I'm really passive. Like, whatever you want, babe. When it comes to the home that we live in, do we like, you know what? Homes aren't important. Like, just live outdoors. I'm fine with that. We deny our, our desire. I mean, how do you deal with the, ex, with the uh, dreams, hopes, and desires that you have when it comes to relationships? Do we feel guilty about them? Do we ignore them, deny them? The short answer is you keep them in this box right here. I keep them in my dreams, hopes, and desires. I'm still a complete person. I still have all of these dreams, hopes, and desires. What I refuse to do is I refuse to place them in the box of expectations on you. I live with those on my own and in my own way. Now, the best way to keep your hopes, dreams, and desires out of the expectations box is to answer a very specific question, one that I'm going to caution you right now. You're probably not going to like because you're probably going to know the answer to it already. It's not like new information. The question is this, what do they owe you? What do they owe you? What do they owe you? What is it that you feel like, well, they kind of owe me that. When we fall into that pattern, we fall into that trap, we have engaged in a transactional relationship that may be functional. Definitely not fun. Definitely not fulfilling. Happy couples know the answer to this question right here. The answer to this question, according to the people that you respect... Um, and the people who have the relationship that you desperately want, they know the answer to this question. The answer to this question for them is nothing. What do they owe me? Oh, they owe me nothing. Are you kidding me? They owe me nothing. They also know this. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything but are not owed anything in return. Oh, I owe them this. I owe them. I owe them a chance to be able to help them achieve hopes, dreams, and desires. I want to know what that is, and I want to do my part to be able to, and they owe nothing to me in return. Now, you might be sitting there going, that doesn't make any sense. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything but aren't owed anything in return. That doesn't make sense, Brent. I know it doesn't make sense. It also doesn't make sense as, as to why tragedy and bad things can happen to happy couples and they seem to be able to float above it. Like the things that would normally like dismantle a relationship, they're able to get through it. When there's extreme loss, both either financial or health-wise or something like that, and they're able to kind of navigate the murky waters of, of despair and doubt and distrust and all that kind of stuff, they are able to do it and it doesn't make any sense. Because happy couples know I live in such a way that I owe it uh, to them and they owe me. I don't operate as if they owe me anything in return. I just do this. Now, I mentioned this at the beginning. I don't think that Christian couples have the corner on the market or the monopoly on the market. Like if you're not a Christian, you can't figure this thing out. I think that happy couples from all walks of life can figure this out. Now, the beauty of Christianity, I think, is that this is kind of one of the commands that comes through in scripture that makes it so that 
we are hopefully engaged in walking in this direction and doing this, even without the motivation necessarily of a happy marriage. Like, I think that we are called to do this regardless. And this is not new information. This isn't like, well, this comes from new research based in 2016's uh, census deal, bureau deal, and, and now we know what it's going to take to make couples happy. Listen, Jesus talked about this. Listen to what his command to his disciples He's spending some time with them. He's about to leave. And he says, you guys know me. You guys have been around, walked with me long enough. You know that when I showed up on the scene, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis had all kinds of different rules, like over 600 rules based on how you're supposed to live your life. You heard me talk at one point when I was asked, what's the most important rule? And I kind of broke it down to two. And I said, really, it's love God and love other people. And now I'm giving you one big thing. Now that you've seen me, know me, and and have watched me as I've given myself away for you, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is the command he gives his disciples, which I think even applies to us today as we look at it and we say, which is going to require then an understanding of how he loved others. How did he love others? Not as a result of what they could offer to him. He led in that. He lived in such a way that I'm going to live as if I owe you everything and not expect anything in return from you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, Paul takes this and he incorporates this into what's called a household code in Ephesians chapter five. Uh, this is uh, like the follow-up is that we, we talked last week about how Ephesians one through three is really about who we are in Christ. And then four through five is how we live that out. And in chapter five, he does these things called household codes. He gives specific instructions to husbands and specific instructions to wives and kids and, and workers and all that kind of stuff. And in that kind of layout, he describes this, or he says this, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. What are you doing here, Paul? Oh, I'm taking his phrase that he talked about in John chapter 13 is I have loved you. So you must love one another. And that includes in the household, in the household. Here's what it looks like. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. In other words, you take the cue of your savior who loved you, who gave himself up for you who gave himself away and expected nothing in return, which is, by the way, very different from whatever maybe religious background you came from, where you felt like, have I done enough to make God love me? Or God now owes me this good life? Or I've done, I've done enough, I've crossed the line to prove that I'm worthy of his love or anything like that. He says, no, 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 that's not how it works. This is completely one-sided. This is God loves you, gave himself up for you, Now you must do that with one another. Now you live in that way. Now you reflect that kind of generous love. You reflect that kind of identity when it comes to living out your marriage or your long-term relationships. You look at the other person and say, I have hopes, dreams, and desires. I'm not denying them at all. And I know that you have them. I'm gonna do my part to make sure that those come to fruition for you. And I'm not going to expect anything in return because I know when I do, that becomes contractual and that becomes compromise. And that's not all that great. So in conclusion for today, two quick questions, homework, if you will, right? I'm not going to check up on it. You don't have to like submit it. And there's an online site. If you upload that, no, I'm not, I'm just kidding. Number one is what's in your box. What is it that's in your box? What's in your hopes, dreams, and desires box? You should probably know that. Now, if you're single and have never really been in a long-term relationship, you may not know that. And that, that's part of the development process. 
Um, if you're engaged, you should probably start getting a clear picture of what that is and communicating that well with the person you're getting married to. Hopefully, if you're married, you already know what that is. But what is it? What's in your box? You should know it. Because if you have expectations on somebody else to fulfill these things for you, how ridiculous is it to be like, I need you to do this for me, but I'm not exactly sure what it is that I want. I'm like schizophrenic in that way, okay? Um, what's in your box? Hopes, dreams, and desires. And number two, have you handed that off for somebody else to carry? Have you said, I need you to do this for me? This is, this is what I need from you. My life won't be fulfilled until you do these things for me. And I, I will battle, um, I will struggle through disappointment with our relationship, depression in our marriage, if you don't do these things uh, for me. Um, that, just so you know, feels like expectations on them. It feels like a burden. It feels like a weight. So don't be surprised if it's, if I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to need a little bit of fairness and equality. I'm going to need a little bit of, I do this, you scratch your back, or I scratch your back, you scratch my back type of thing. And we're going to try and make this thing work. Listen, that's functional. But talk to people, man. It's not all that fun. And it's definitely not all, fulfilling, all that fulfilling. And Paul describes a better way. And Jesus describes a better way. Paul, quoting Jesus, describes a better way. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let's pray. Father, that is an incredibly difficult process for us. That, is, that goes against everything that we have kind of thought of and in terms of, um, you know, make the most out of the life that we've been given and, and, and do things as long as they work for us and a very pragmatic approach to relationships, which is kind of what we've kind of grown up with in life. And, and the, this calling is completely different. This is a, a very different way of doing that and um, not going to be easy and um, not all that natural. And yet, um, we can kind of, if, if we took an honest evaluation and, and thought clearly about the relationships that we admire and the ones that we respect and people who have, are seem to be doing it right, they'd live with this a little bit. If, we, if we're honest, we go, they kind of get that. And they, they might not be doing it out of a motivation of, well, just like Paul said and just like Jesus said, they might be just doing it because out of, you know, this is how it works and this works for us. Um, but as Christians, for those of us who identify in that way, we, we don't have an option this way. This is how we're called to live. And coincidentally, it is the best way to do relationships. And so help us. Give us the wisdom to know how to do this in our relationship or the steps forward in this. Like, not like we can turn a button and this is all fixed by tomorrow. Move us towards understanding that I live with these hopes, dreams, and, and, uh, and, and desires for what I need in my life. Thank you for creating me with that intrinsically, like I have that within me, um, and help me to figure out how to be able to make that come true for those that I love and, uh, and not expect them, but be grateful for those times that they do. So give someone some know what to do. Courage to act on it. Your name, amen.